Okay, so last week we we discussed the filling of the Spirit and we were going to try to finish it. We have just a little less than an hour and that's probably good because we um, that's probably all the time we're going to need. So before we dig in, why don't we stop and pause for a moment, see if there's any questions, answers, uh, comments on the filling of the Spirit. Oh, great. Quick catch-up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Give an overview, right, of what we covered? Yeah, we should do that. Okay. Um, the filling of the Spirit. Well, first, where we came from is there are seven ministries of the Holy Spirit that we're going to cover. And the seven ministries are, one, we talked about common and efficacious grace. Now, what we're doing is once we get these seven ministries, we're going to have them all as a series so people can just pull in and listen to them at, at their leisure. And they're going to be on the website. So everything we've recorded so far that I'm going to tell you, you'll be able to get a, a copy of. In fact, Bill has copies of all of uh, what we covered. Uh, so the first thing we covered is common and efficacious grace. That's ministry number one. And common grace even deals with unbelievers, bringing them to the place of salvation. And efficacious grace deals with what does the Holy Spirit do for us to get us saved. He makes our faith effective for salvation. So, so then, then their second one is, um, we talked about the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, being born again. Uh, what, is that, what is that all about? Uh, how does that work? The Holy Spirit creates in us a human spirit. Uh, he causes us to be born again. So we have probably two lessons on that that you could get. And then we went into indwelling, the indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, we dealt, why does the Holy Spirit indwell our body? For what purpose does He actually live inside of us? And then uh, we are in, now we're, we're dealing with the filling of the Spirit. And after we finish, this is our second lesson on the filling, which we should um, be able to finish today. And then we will move on into um, the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll go from the sealing to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's number six. And then we're going to tackle the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts are controversial. And so we want to save that for last. <laughs> Make sure people are focused in by that time. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. People talk about speaking in tongues. Right, so you already know. <laughs> so speaking in tongues, is that or is it not valid today? What's what even if we're going to have to deal with all the gifts. In other words, are those gifts supposed to be for us today or not? All those questions will will definitely answer. So the reason why we go through the seven ministries of the Spirit is to give us a good grounding in the faith. There's so much ignorance when it comes to what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, people talk about the Spirit moves in mysterious ways. You just never know. People do any, say anything and do anything, based, and they say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. So we want to have a good foundation so that people know, you know for sure how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, and, you know, and when you have that knowledge from the Bible, you, you don't have to be ignorant. You don't have to be swayed by what people say. You can have right here what the Word says, and then uh, that will be our guide. So that's why we're doing it. Prior to this, we did a series, The Mystery of the Gospel. Did you come to any of those? Yeah. yeah that's a, that was like, how many? Eight lessons? Yeah. Eight lessons, and that deals with the very basics of an unbeliever, what is an unbeliever, what is spiritual death, why do we need salvation, right? All those questions are, you know, we deal with in detail. And then we talk about the good news. Okay, well, how do you get saved? You know, so we that whole series dealt with that. It's only eight lessons. This, uh, actually eight. Well, yeah, he's talking about the CDs. Yeah. Well, some of the CDs that he has are really one night, but it was split in two. But I'm just talking about the actual nights. There, are, there are eight, and we missed one night which would have made it nine. Right. Yeah. So, 
But so we have, we don't have but there may be more than eight CDs that if you're getting it on CD. So, uh, but we really did eight nights. And but we were really on it because we started like at 7.30 and then we were ending at 9. So we had an hour and a half straight. I mean, we were here at 7.30 starting. Like today we got, we come here, we have coffee, you know, we, we poke around, talk a little bit and then we get started. And we have a good solid hour mostly of, uh, you know, where we're digging in. So um, that's where we come from. And once we finish these, I mean, there's probably like six to eight lessons already on the filling of the Spirit. And we didn't even tackle the, some of the, the other, like the baptism of the Spirit, the gifts, the sealing. Those are detailed topics that could take another six, seven lessons before we finish. But we're not. We're in no hurry, and there's plenty besides that. You know, we're going to have once we get the website going. All right. So I uh, hope that answers your question of where we were. And oh, well, we didn't talk about what is the filling of the spirit. What we covered last week is the filling of the spirit is the normal Christian life. We turn to a scripture like Ephesians five, verses eighteen. And it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. God commands that we be filled with the Spirit. And I said the filling of the Spirit is the normal Christian life. You need the filling of the Spirit in order to live the Christian life. If you don't have the filling of the Spirit, you are living according to the flesh. We talked about the two powers that are in the Christian life. The flesh tries to gain control of you, and the Holy Spirit exerts influence over you as well when you're under the control of, his, uh, of the Spirit. And that control is real, just like your sin nature is real. It is, it is causing you to be tempted and drawn away to sin. Now, isn't that a real thing? I mean, people look at that, they say, well, okay, the filling of the Spirit. What is that exactly? Well, they don't realize that with the new nature that you have, God has implanted the Holy Spirit and giving you power to, to be swayed to walk according to that new nature. He's given you that. Just like you have power to, or, or your sin nature exerts influence over you and tries to get you to walk according to the flesh. And what's the result of the sin nature? Sin. You're going to produce sins. What's the result of the filling of the Spirit? You're going to walk in righteousness. You're going to do good works. You're going to uh, be a benefit and a, a, a joy to, to those around you. Because people around you are going to be benefited by your works. By your gifts. Okay. So, then we talked about the two influences, right, from... There's two scriptures that you can learn. Ephesians 5.18 talks about the state. You are fi- be filled with the Spirit, which is an absolute state. And, Ephesians, and Galatians 5.16 talks about how to conduct yourself when you're in that state. What do you do? Well, you walk by means of the Spirit. And if you do walk by means of the Spirit, you will definitely not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And we talked about that last week. Now, you really need to get to... The tape, because we had probably a good solid hour and ten minutes of 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 this last week. So once you get that, and we can give that to you, you know, anytime, and you can listen to it at your leisure. You'll have the full understanding of where we're coming from. So, but tonight, what we want to do? Was there any other questions or thoughts? Okay. All right. So tonight, what we'll we'll just get right into it. We wanted to deal with. The filling of the Spirit. So we, picking up where we left off last week, I want to turn to Ephesians 5 and verse 18. And let's look at a couple things there. Five eighteen. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And we dealt with that last week. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So filled here is a reference to being influenced. Just like you you are influenced by alcohol, you can be influenced by God, the Holy Spirit. That is how it works. Now, what does the Holy Spirit influence influence you to do? 
What is what is he and God the Holy Spirit is a person? What does he influence you to do? See, because people will say he influences me to speak in tongues. He influences me to to um, you know fall out. He influences you know people will say all sorts of things about what the Holy Spirit influences them to do, right? Well, he, he's going to influence you to walk according to righteousness, your righteous nature. Just like your sin nature is trying to influence you to walk according to its lusts. You, the, the, the Holy Spirit will try to influence you to walk according to the truth, the righteous nature that is implanted in you. Now, what can short-circuit that um, the Holy Spirit's work in you? What do you think can happen if you know uh, the Holy Spirit does not have the influence that it wants to have in your life. Sin. Well, sin is the, might be a reason, but now why don't we just turn to Ephesians? Well, we're right there in five. Look at four and verse thirty. Chapter four, thirty. Yes, in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty, and it says, "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit." You can grieve the Holy Spirit. So, why, why would the Holy Spirit be grieved? Because remember, He's trying to influence you to walk according to your righteous nature. If He's grieved, that means that He is not allowed to, to influence you in the way that He wants to. See, now, a person is grieved. See, now, it's just like a river. If a river is, is running... And you stop it with a, you know, let's say you put something in the river and it stops the water from flowing. The water just says, okay, I can't flow. The water doesn't have a personality, but the Holy Spirit does. He can be grieved. See? And he, he, that means that He doesn't just sit there and say, okay, go ahead and do your thing. You know, I don't care. Go sin all you want. No, the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. Let me try to exert my influence. I want to exert influence over you. So he's grieved, he is actively trying to gain that attention back, that influence over your life back. He doesn't just allow it to just sit. So he can be grieved. And what would grieve him? We already know what it is. Sin. Indulgence in the sin nature can grieve the Holy Spirit. So guess what happens when the Holy Spirit is grieved? You, first of all, one result is you're not filled with the Spirit. That, that's obvious because he's not influencing your life. So when you are involved in sin, or your mind is engaged in sinful thoughts, the Holy Spirit is not in control of your soul. The sin nature is in control. We have to understand that as absolute terms. See, you can't be, let's say, um, 50% filled with the Spirit and 50% controlled with your, by your sin nature. It doesn't work that way. It's either one or the other. They are absolute states. So the moment you give up control and you yield to your sin nature, well, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Okay? And the moment you give up and allow the Holy Spirit to control your soul, the sin nature sitting around thinking, whoa, thinking that, um, that it wants to gain control. They are fighting one another. And we read that too. I'm not just making this up. Right? Let's read in Galatians. Now, we're coming back to Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5, 16. And remember, um, these two scriptures are easy to remember. Galatians 5, 16, Ephesians 5, 18. Verse 16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, see, if you do walk or allow yourself to be con, uh, the Holy Spirit to influence your soul, you definitely will not. Remember we said definitely not fulfill the desires of the sin nature. You don't have to worry. Can you walk in righteousness? Absolutely. How do you walk in righteousness? Right here. Here's the power that is needed to fulfill the righteousness of God. Right here. So, so we saw that, remember we talked about the, the Christian way of life is a supernatural way of life. You just can't decide you're going to live the, the Christian life. You know, and I, I see Christians, we talked about this last week, how they'll read 
Well, let's see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all these things. So all they do is try to practice doing those things. You know, and if you just say, oh, I'm going to be loving to everybody. Oh, I'm going to be joyful. Every time somebody says something, I'm going to smile, you know, and this and that. But that's not the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's not it at all. That's human power manufacturing, trying to manufacture these things, and it will not work. What happens when you do that anyway? You know, first of all, you build up frustration inside because you all these people, you don't like them, right? And now you try to act nice to them. So what does that do? That grieves you inside. And you go, okay, all right, I'll, uh, I'll be nice to you, but I don't want to, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? So what do you do? Ah, That's see. what I do. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, first thing is we're noting... And it's obvious that people do this. But what we want to do is learn now to be influenced by the power of the Spirit. Because if we can learn how to do that, then we will definitely not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We could stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But first, we have to learn about this power. And we, we illustrated it last week by, by talking about... You know, I gave the analogy of people who have coffee in the morning. It gets them going. You know, but then, you know, what if your car needs gas? So, do you pour the coffee in the car? You know, the tank? Does that gonna, is that going to help your car? No, it's going to be bad. Why? Because it's a different type of fuel. In fact, for the Christian, we need a different type of fuel in order to get our engine going. What, what do we need? What is the fuel we need? Well, we already have the Holy Spirit motivating us. But we need truth. We need doctrine. Yeah. That's the fuel that, that the Holy Spirit uses to influence your life. So you might be saved, right? Because what, what does that say about you? Nothing. Nothing. I, I say this to people. And they're like, what are you talking about? So what you're saved? What did that, what did that say about you? What did you do? Nothing. Right? So anybody can be saved. It's free. So you, you're nobody special because you got saved. But now, what about those who are living the Christian way of life? Who are walking by means of the Spirit? Now your free will is involved. Will you yield to the Spirit? So that you definitely... Will you avail yourself of the power that's available to live the Christian way of life? Now we'll see who, where the men and the boys are, or the girls and the ladies are. I don't know. That, that part. But don't worry about that part. But mainly, you're going to... That's where character now becomes a, a factor. Who really loves God? Right. Who really does? Now, now, we'll see by what you do after salvation. Salvation, okay. You, you're going to heaven. You can have eternal life. You got it. It's free. Don't cost nothing. Right? So, but now the power comes into play. So most Christians, right, they don't learn this. They don't take the time to pay attention to this. Because they think, well, this, I, I, I'm smart. You know, I can figure this out. This is not anything I can't do. So what do they end up doing? Living by their own, you know, reason. And they think that that's going to be good enough. No, no. Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, your ways. You don't realize it, but when you start learning doctrine, just like it says, it is good for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. All of those things, that's what's going, the Word of God is going to affect you that way. When you really hear the Word, it's going to cut right down to the bone. It's dividing asunder between the whole and the, whole, uh, the soul and uh, the whole and the spirit, the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and and so it will examine your thoughts. Even the word will. See, some people think, well, you know, I can deal with. You know, people can come in here. I say, oh, I want everybody to sit over here, and uh, the ladies over here, the men over here. I can order you to sit in a certain way. But you know what? I can't order your heart. I can't dig down into your thoughts and deal with the very issues of your life. But I can tell you physically what to do. But God does that with the Word. It digs down and cuts you down to the, to the quick. And so this is why 
there's power in the word. People don't believe it. They don't take time to listen to it and allow themselves to have humility towards it. That's how you, you, you and that's what we're going to talk about. There's some things that can short circuit your power. Just like if you got this powerful vehicle, and we, you know, I don't care how big it is, but then if you don't have the key, well, what good is it? You end up pushing this powerful vehicle down the road. And if you don't have the key, it could be riding, right? So that's why you, there are certain things you've got to pay attention to. You say, well, this is a little tiny key. What's the big deal? I mean, this big car got the car. But you don't have the key. You can't drive the car without the key. And it's a very important piece of the puzzle. That's what we're going to deal with. So let's look at this. Here we are, 516. So I say, live by the Spirit. We discussed that last week. And you will not, definitely not, gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. See, and it says, they are in conflict with each other. What? The sin nature and the Holy Spirit. They're both trying to exert influence over your soul. That's why there's the conflict going on. Okay. You've got to understand that. That you are either under one control or the other. You, you can't be under both. That's why it says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And if you look just before it says grieved, you'll see a whole bunch of things that will grieve the Holy Spirit. And all of them are related to the sin nature. All of them related. So now, okay, we, we want to make sure that we understand that the Holy Spirit does exert power over your soul. And you can short-circuit that power by sin. What happens if you do? What happens if you do uh, sin? What, ha- what do you do now? This is the key. I mean, we've got to know this. You're, well, you're no longer filled with the Spirit. If you intentionally sin... Now, what if you sin and you don't know that you've sinned? Are you out of fellowship? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. How come? Are you sure about that? Yeah. You, you want to think about it? No. <laughs> well, so let's turn to 1 John 1 9. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm trying to give him, give him an out here. Because I have to disagree with you on that. I have to disagree with you. In 1 John chapter 1, uh, we find the issue is fellowship. Now, I'm going to use the board. to. Do, we're going to talk about three things tonight. And they are results of the filling of the Spirit. Results of the filling of the Spirit. Okay. There are three things. One, we're going to have fellowship. Two, we can be under the influence of teaching. Three, we already talked about this one. We will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, if you can read that, and my handwriting is not the best. So we're going to talk about three things that are results of the filling of the Spirit. Okay. First of all, it's fellowship. So we're in 1 John. 1 John. Um, why don't we start at verse 5. 1 John, verse 5. We're going to go pretty quick. and But we've covered 1 John so many times before that you guys already know it. It's, it's like old hat. So verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Now, verse 6 starts the if statements. There's five of them. And you will uh, we will examine what these if statements are. You know, if in this case means if maybe you will and maybe you won't. Maybe you do or maybe you don't. Right, exactly. So, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness. Now, notice fellowship is related to how we live. 
Okay? Salvation has nothing to do with how we live, does it? Because it's free. If it had something to do with how we lived, it would not be free. Would not be free. So salvation deals with our relationship with God. It secures our relationship with God. Salvation is like being born. You're born into the family. What did you do to be born? Nothing. You you did absolutely nothing. And you have that relationship. You just received life. And that's the relationship you have now. So then the second thing is, right, once we're born, what about fellowship? Once the child begins to grow, then how does that child relate to the parent? Right? You, could have, you could have a son or a daughter, and you could say, well, I'm related, that's my son and daughter. But could you know what? You may not be able to sit in the same room with that son or daughter. Why? Because there's friction between you. You don't get along. Maybe the daughter doesn't do, or the son doesn't do what the father wants them to do. Then what? There's friction, there's conflict. So they're out, we could say they're out of fellowship. And in the same way, but they're still related. In the same way, we are born again into the family of God. And we didn't do anything to be born. It wasn't by our will. It wasn't by any other human will. It was by, we're born of God. And then, once we're born of God, we have eternal life. We have salvation. Then God wants to have fellowship with us. What is fellowship? It means communion. He wants to be able to have joyous communion with us. He wants to share things in common with us. And we'll talk about what that means. So, we know it has something to do with how we conduct our life. If we don't walk in truth, we can't have fellowship with God. Definitely can't. So, here's what it is. Verse 6, if we claim, allege, to have fellowship with Him. In other words, we're, we're telling people, walking around saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in fellowship, but yet... We're walking in darkness. What's walking in darkness? Walking according to our sin nature, right? We lie. In other words, that's inconsistent. You have misrepresented yourself. Because really, you can't walk in darkness and then claim that you're walking with God who is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. So you can walk in darkness, but you won't bring God with you. He won't go. The only thing you could do is you could depart from God and then walk in darkness. Now when we say depart from God, what are we breaking here? Relationship? No. Never. We're breaking fellowship. So, you won't have that communion with God. God is the Holy Spirit is grieved. He doesn't have that exert that influence over your life. And you don't enjoy the benefits of fellowship. And there's more, but I'm going to give three tonight that we, that we can deal with. So if we claim we lie and do not live, conduct our lives by means of the truth. So it would go without saying then, that if we do not conduct ourselves by the truth, that's a lie, that, that to have fellowship, we must conduct our lives according to the truth. That makes sense. If breaking fellowship is walking in darkness... Having fellowship must be walking according to the truth. Okay? So that makes sense. So look at verse 7 then. If, but if we walk in the light. What is walk in the light? It can only mean walk according to the truth. Well, the light is truth. God, the, the truth is, is, consists. This is actually in Ephesians 5. Don't turn to it, but it's 5.9. For the fruit of the light consists... In all goodness, righteousness, and truth. There it is in Ephesians 5.9. So, so when we say when, if we walk in the light, we know that the light is a reference to the truth of God. And now who, how, how much truth do you have is the question. Because you can only walk in the truth that you have. right? You can't walk in the light of truth that you don't have, that you don't know. You've got to know before you can walk. So it is important that you take in truth, expose yourself to truth, so that God, the Holy Spirit, can teach you truth. And then you can walk or conduct your life according to what you've learned, what you believed in your heart. Right? That's important. So in verse 7, if we walk in the light, as He, God, is in the light. Remember, He never was going to walk in darkness. In Him, there's no darkness at all. As He is in the light. When we walk in the light, we're walking with God. 
That's who, that's who we're dealing with when we're in the light. We have. This is the first result of walking, conducting your life according to truth. And, and let me just stop and say for a minute. We say walking in the light. That means up to understanding right, the light that you have received. The light that you received might be different from the light that he received. And the light that he received is a different level than the light that he received. So there's no standard. This is only what you know. And, and God knows what you know. And you know what you know. You can't live up to what you don't know. So it's not really... God is saying, do what you know to do is right. That's all. Now if you don't know to do it, you can't do it. Simple as that. So if you walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have... One result, we have fellowship. There's definite, we have fellowship. And all you're doing is living up to what you know. That's all. As soon as you commit a sin, you know it's a sin because you violated some standard that you have and you're, you've departed from the light. That's how you know it's a sin. You've been tempted and you say, oh, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sin. And you do. You sin. You have stepped out of the light. And now you are walking in darkness. Now, as a result of that, right... Uh, you are out of fellowship. You are walking according to darkness. Right? But here in 7, watch this provision. If you walk in the light, see us in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And what, what is the next result? And the blood of Jesus, the Son, purifies us from all sin. So there it is, Bill. That is how you could sin in ignorance. Right? Because if you don't know you're sinning, how all you know, all you know is you're walking up, living up to the light that you know. Now, people who are living up to the light that they know, are they sinning? Can they possibly be sinning? People who are living up to the light that they know to do, they're doing all they know to do that is good, right? I mean, can they commit an act against God? Are can yeah? Is that possible? Yeah. And maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know. Right. Could right? This, if they commit an act against God out of ignorance, they still commit an act against God. We can't just like if we didn't know that murder was a, was a sin. right. Let's say and you murdered somebody. Murdered a lot of people. Right now, it's a sin. It's a sin, right? But you didn't know it was a sin. Right. So what happens as a Christian? That is. You know why I I like there's a scripture in I guess it's in probably mostly gospels Luke when it talks about the servant who knew his Lord's will. And did not prepare, nor did for it to but it shall be beaten with many stripes. Yeah, but that doesn't fit uh, the analogy. He was beaten with fewer stripes. Well, the one servant was supposed to warn the other servant. So it's not that he did not know. It's just that the one servant knew more, and he didn't tell the other servant all that he knew. So one is beaten with many stripes, one is beaten with few stripes. Uh, this is 1248 it said but he not knowing and doing things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes yeah for to whomever much is given to him much shall be required right mm -hmm. so he didn't know but he still got a few minutes well yeah, but, but he's a servant see uh -huh. so he's still he doesn't know as much as the other guy knows. Right. But he still knows. But he doesn't know as much. That's the issue there. That's why both are wicked servants if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Right. That's why he got beat with few stripes. Right. Yeah. He didn't. In other words, he said not knowing. Well, no. He, but, he, but he didn't get punished for sin not knowing. See, he, that's why he got beat with few. For a few that he did. But what he did know, he got punished for that. But he didn't get punished for what he didn't know. Now the one who did know, <laughs> he, to whom much is given, much is required. Well, much was given that guy and he didn't live up to it. But if you only got a little bit, then you, you're still going to be responsible for the little bit that you have. Okay? Okay. So, in First John is where I'm coming from. And we're dealing with fellowship now. You can be in fellowship and stay in fellowship as long as you are living up to the light that you have. 
You are walking in the light that you have. Now you may be, even though you're walking in the light, that doesn't mean your walk is perfect. That doesn't mean you're sinless. You know, and, and I might look at you and say, person's clearly doing things that are wrong. It's, it's obvious. But guess what? You don't know. And what does God do? He's, he realizes that you're doing things that are wrong, but He also knows that you're walking according to the light. You're living up to all that you know to do. And so what does He do? Here's what He does in that case. He says, so He can have fellowship with you. Otherwise, He would have to never have fellowship with us until we were fully grown and walking according to the truth all the time. That means probably in heaven, right? Because uh, none of us can ever say, well, I'm done there, God. I have no more to grow. I don't think anybody would say that. So I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be perfect, blameless. We'll have our resurrection body. The sin nature won't be around anymore. Right? I don't think we'll still be bragging then. So, so the point is, is that while we're on earth, we're flawed. And God gives us this provision so that He can still have fellowship with us. And what is the provision? The blood of Jesus. His Son purifies us from all sin. That's a great, great provision. I mean, we even the baby believer who knows nothing about God just knows one little couple, a couple of items that he knows. He's living up to all he knows. And God says, you know what? I'm going to have fellowship with that baby. I'm, but as soon as that baby t- determines from his will, you know what? I'm going to step out of what I know. I know this, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyhow. That baby is out of fellowship. And what does God want from that baby after that? What does he want him to do? Confess. Confess. Now what does confess? Is it a prayer? Does he say, Oh, Heavenly Father. You know, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming to you. He didn't say do all that. He just said confess. That didn't no, he didn't even say pray. You have people talking about they got to pray and all this stuff. It didn't even say pray. I don't see pray anywhere in here. Do you? Did you read it? Okay, so let's see. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, that means we don't have sin. That's wrong. That would be a denial of of the truth. But look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's put us back in that state that we are in where we can walk in truth. So what happens in verse 9 is you know you stepped out now. Here in verse 7, you didn't know you stepped out. But here in verse 9, you know you stepped out. So what happens? You confess. That's, what you, that's how you rectify that. You confess your sin. Now, in relationship to the filling of the Spirit, we need to know that. Because that is what short circuits uh, uh, the, the control of the Spirit in your life. It is sin. So the moment you confess your sin, you are, the Holy Spirit then resumes control of your soul. Right? So that's important to know. It says it right there. That He will purify us from all unrighteousness. So keep that, keep that with God. As soon as you sin, well, obviously you have to want to grow in grace. If you don't want to grow, then none of this makes any sense anyway. Because what you're going you're, you're to quickly play that out in your mind and say, I see, every time I sin and I confess it, but then I'm going to sin again and then I'm going to confess it, but then I want to sin again. And you're going to quickly say, you know what? <laughs> What am I doing? I'm wasting time here. See, so the the whole point is that you want to grow. That you want to move on down the road with God. You want to have fellowship. You want to enjoy the benefits of fellowship. And if you want that, then you're going to want to confess your sin. Because this short circuits your fellowship. Sin does. So you want to begin to, to say, okay God, I've stepped out of bounds. It's just like when you're on a, a football if you watch football, you know that when the referee blows the whistle, what happens? Stop. Play stops, right? What if the guy keeps running? Don't, don't count for nothing. You sure don't count. Don't count. But what if the play stopped here and the guy ran 10 more yards? Where did they spot the ball? 
back there, right? Ball that comes back. And what if they do throw a pass way down, way down into the end zone? The guy catches it, but there's a flag on the play. What then? Doesn't count. See, in the same way, this is the same way, if you are out of bounds, or if you step out of bounds, or if you do something, and God says, hold on, and you know you've done that, and there's an issue, and you don't confess, then you're out of fellowship. And you're not performing good works. You cannot do any good works. Because now all the works that you do are motivated from your sin nature. You might think you're doing good works, but you're really not. God is looking at them works and saying, I cannot handle or you know, acknowledge those works. In fact, He's going to judge you because you're, you're not growing up. You're, you're indulging the flesh. So you have to realize that with the sin nature, it's trying to get control. How do you stop the power of the sin nature? Confess. Here's what people want to do, right? They want to say, man, I'm sinning. I got these problems with sin. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work real hard. And I'm going to use my self-determination not to sin. I'm going to make sure that I don't sin. You know what that is? That's human power. Human power. That's not going to work. You can't overcome your sin nature with your sin nature. That's like trying to put out a a fire and and you bring in a hose filled with gasoline. And you say, well, I'm going to get, if I just pour enough gasoline on this fire, I'm sure it's going to go out. What's going to happen? Bigger fire. fire. See, you can just create more unrighteousness for God to judge you on. So here's what you got to do. You got to like change your focus. And focus on the truth. What can free you from this? The truth. The Holy Spirit influencing you to walk according to the truth. If you're sinning and your sins are overcoming you more and more, what you've got to realize is you better increase the intake of truth. See, I know that the urge is that you will try to control the sin. Right? That's your sin nature talking. Control that sin. Don't sin, right? Well... You need to be transformed so that you don't even think about that sin the same way you did before. You don't even have that power within you. That power comes from outside of you. And how does it come? It's the Word. And as, as you take in the Word, the Holy Spirit then transforms your thinking so that there's now the power. So now you, it's just like a, you're growing up. Before, you never cleaned up your room. You never wanted to take a shower. You never wanted to do nothing. Uh, For girls, I know girls, that's not true. But boys, right? They don't want to do nothing. They just run around the room as a mess. Don't want to comb their hair. They don't want to do anything, right? You said, boy, this boy's never going to turn the corner. What's going on? Next thing you know, he starts seeing the girls. And now, all of a sudden... He, is, he can't stay out of the mirror, his hair, he's brushing his teeth, doing everything. And because, what, what, what's the difference? Growing up. See? Now what if you'd have told him and you're fighting with them to try to get them to... It's not going to work. What has to happen? Got to be transformed. And then guess what? He's not going back to that. That's childish behavior. He's not even thinking about going back to that behavior. Why? Because he's grown up. And the the only way you're going to get past problems and the power of your sin nature is to grow. And when you grow, you gain power. You gain doctrine and truth. And the Holy Spirit uh, influences you now to walk according to that truth. So that's how you focus and fight the sin nature. It is not through self-determination. But it is through self-determination to take in the truth. To take in more truth. So what? You got a besetting sin? What's a besetting sin? I mean, every time it comes up, you do it. I mean, every single time. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, you do it. Right? So that's a besetting sin. We all have them. Don't say you don't. I know some people say, I don't have it. You know, <laughs> I don't sin. Okay, alright. Well, then you just had. That's your besetting sin. Self-righteousness. I didn't realize I had a besetting sin until I realized I keep confessing this same sin. That's, that's, that's how you're going to know that you have that besetting sin. And, and every time you think about, well, Lord, you know, you might as well confess that sin because you probably did it. I'm here again. Lord, you know. Lord, you know. You, you know. I mean, I'm coming here again. But through confessing it, we're being honest with God. We're telling Him what we've done. And that's all He requires. 
That's all he requires. And remember, the power is not in you say, okay, God, I did it again, but guess what? Next time, I, I'm determined, God, that, that's not going to work. See, you think that's going to work. Your sin nature wants you to work it that way. But in reality, he's telling you, yeah, just confess it because, yeah, you did it again. Yes, it's an issue between us, but guess what? The power comes. The deliverance comes in taking in the truth and gaining the power to have a transformed mind. So it's like, here's the problem, and you want to fight it head on? Really, you need to go around the side. That's how you have to handle that. And see, you're not going to get immediate results. I know people are looking at that. And you know, you go to churches and they talk about, uh, you can get delivered from this and you can get delivered from that. And, they're, and people are like, yeah! <laughs> but really... True deliverance comes from the strength of the word. And babies, I mean, they're always looking for something to do. Say the prayer of Jabez ten times and then you'll have deliverance. Say this and you'll get money in the bank. Do that and you, you know, there's always something that they can do in the religious world because they're focused on what they can see, the eyes, right? But the spiritual realm is where the battle really is. You can't see your sin nature. Come, can somebody hold up their sin nature? Is your sin nature real? <laughs> it's real. And no question about that. And can you hold up your divine nature, the righteous nature? No. Can't see it. So there's this struggle that's going on. We read it. The conflict. Now you got to understand how to, to make sure that you come out on the winning side. Don't short circuit the Holy Spirit. How do you do it? Willful sin. Willful sin will, will short circuit and grieve the Holy Spirit's job in your life. That's it. So now is that hard? Yeah, sometimes. Because sometimes we want what we want. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. And we have to learn the lessons like a little child. You know, he wants something. Sometimes he, he has to get it and realize that that's not what satisfies. God has what satisfies. He really does have your best interest at heart. That's what you've got to come to realize. You've got to come to trust God. Because all those things that we're doing in the world, we're doing for pleasure, for satisfaction. To, so that our sin natures can be fulfilled. But, but what we're really desiring is that satisfaction, that fulfillment. And God has that for you. He hasn't. The joy of the Lord is what gives that new nature that you have, the, the fulfillment, the actual, um, uh, the, the way that God gives that fullness to that nature comes as you grow up. It's there for you. So don't feel like it's not. Okay, so we dealt with, wow, well, we we're going to have to rush. So we dealt with uh, fellowship. And, and, and you have that fellowship. It comes, that joy. And I, I have a paper uh, on this whole thing called Christian Fellowship. If you want to read about the whole First John 1 John 1.9 we've done. So it's just more information that you could actually have. Uh, then we want to deal with another result. And that is the influence of teaching. You cannot learn from the Holy Spirit if you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's the one that makes things real to us. If you've ever had a breakthrough, when I say a breakthrough, I mean, if you've been studying something and you've been reading it and reading it and all of a sudden, oh, I understand. Oh, there it is. The Holy Spirit taught you that. That's, that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and well because He has taught you something that you didn't see. He has brought spiritual truth to your heart. Now that is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if I read John chapter 16, which we covered already, uh, but we need to read it again. John chapter 16 and uh, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. That's His job. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Making it known to you. Making it a reality to your soul. Wow, I, saw, I never saw that before. How come I've been reading that same scripture and now it, it has meaning? It's almost jumping off the page. That is God the Holy Spirit. That's his ministry. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine, His, His mind, and He will show it, make it known to you. That is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people are saying, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, this and that. But reality is, this is what He would do. This is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do when He comes. Didn't say he would make you roll on the floor, laugh uncontrollably, kick your legs up in the air, jump, do the holy dance. All these different things people are saying the Holy Spirit's making them do, fall out, right? This is what the Holy Spirit will do. Teach you. Make things known to you. You could fall out and do all those things and not know anything about God. Not know a thing. So that means the Holy Spirit is really not doing the work that He's supposed to do in your life. Now I gave the illustration last time. You could talk to those people and ask them about a, some truth. Basic truth. I mean truth that Christians should know. And they'd be like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I've got to go back and read that again. This and that. Well, what are they really saying? They're saying that they're saying that the Holy Spirit is in their life doing all these great things, but yet He didn't do the primary work that it says He would do is to make these things known. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is that He would also show love in your heart. He would shed abroad the love of God in your heart. So there, there's some evidences, real. The influence of teaching. That's a result of the filling of the Spirit. You cannot, be, you cannot learn doctrine or truth when you're out of fellowship, when you're not filled with the Spirit. You cannot learn. See, you might think you're learning, but your sin nature is processing that information. So you must be filled with the Spirit. This is why when you come to hear the teaching of the Word, you've got to make sure that you don't have any sins in your conscious mind. Don't be planning to go out and sin after this. And then, well, yeah, as soon as he finished, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Don't be thinking about that. And then think, you know, I'm going to learn doctrine too. You're not. See, and, and you might say, well, I can do both. No, you can't. You really can't. Because this is a spiritual matter. God says there are spiritual principles involved. And you think it's just a matter of academics. It's not. It's not about your IQ, how smart you are or not. What it's about is the power of God. Now, if you are led, that's what it says, if you are led by the Spirit, that means you got to follow along. That means the Holy Spirit is the one leading. You, you're not in control. He's in control. You're just following. That's all you do. It didn't say it was hard, did it? It just says you have to... Is that hard to be led? Only if you are resisting. Then it's hard. It becomes a fight now. I don't want to go. Right? So, it's only hard when you resist. But if you just allow all these, He'll just take you. It's not about your intelligence. So, the influence of teaching comes as a result of the filling of the Spirit. You need the filling of the Spirit. When you sit down to hear Bible doctrine, make sure that if you've got any sins in your mind, confess them. What does that cost you? What does it cost you? Didn't, I didn't say promise God you'll never do it again. You might do it again. Right? Just say, Lord, right here, right now, I'm confessing my sin. I'm, I'm available to you right now. I'm here to learn your word. And that's what I'm going to do. And God, the Holy Spirit, will do His... You don't have to wonder if He'll do His job. He will do His job. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to lead us and continue on. So, the influence of teaching, you cannot be grieving the Holy Spirit at the same time He is teaching you. Okay, and then, number three... As it will, you, if you are filled with the Spirit, a result is you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we dealt with this last time, and we are just about out of time, so it's good that we, we won't spend much time on that. But the importance of that last statement is, how do you stay away from the influences of the sin nature? Because they are really strong. In fact, the sin nature is what you're used to. It's the most natural thing to you. You do it almost without thinking. So you, you were raised in Adam. And all you did was, just like it says in Ephesians here, let me read it to you. And we, we don't, in the next two or three minutes, we're going to have to close. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. 
You did this and when you were dead in your train. Unbelievers, right? The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The whole, now, that's not the Holy Spirit. That is Satan, right? The Satan, oh, he energizes or influences uh, people to operate or uh, to function according to their sin nature. Verse 3. All of us, Paul includes himself, and you too. All of us also lived among them at one time. What did we do? Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. See, that's what we did. Everybody does that. <laughs> Some people say, I know, I would never do that sin. Well, you, you're doing this one over here. And everybody does what it says here. Paul said, I did so it doesn't matter what brand of sin you have. That's where God found you. So, so just understand so that when you get involved in Bible doctrine, it is transforming. It is a change. He's given you things that you can begin to think and your life is affected by those things. You know what? What you do is based on what is in your heart. What you believe in your heart. That's your reality. God is changing that reality a little bit at a time as you take in the truth. A little bit at a time. You might not feel like it, but He's doing it. God the Holy Spirit, as long as you're in fellowship, you're sitting here under... He's teaching you. And that little... You might say, well, huh, I didn't get nothing out of that. But you did. You did. See, you got to trust that God is doing His work, and He is doing His work. Before you know it, you transform. And you know, it, it doesn't even seem like... Can anybody tell me, did they, you ever see yourself grow? I mean, did you ever watch in the mirror and you went like this? Yeah, I just grew an inch. I mean, I was right here and I just grew. I just saw myself raise up. No, you don't see yourself grow. You don't. And it's like when you see kids of uh, relatives that you haven't seen for years, and you're like, wow, that's so-and-so. Look how big they are. And the parents are like, yeah. Because they see them every day. See, but you see them, you're like, wow, don't you realize they've grown from here to here? And that's how it is with the growth. You don't, you're not in control of your growth. You will grow, but it's just you just got to keep eating. It's like the child. All that child did was just eat. So why'd you get so big? <laughs> he sits there smiling. Well, yeah, I'm just big, I, you know. <laughs> but in reality, he didn't do anything. All he did was eat. Now his brother might not even have grown that big, and he did the same thing. He just didn't grow as big. So the point is, is when it comes to taking in doctrine, you just show up and you take in the word. That's all. Be filled with the Spirit, and God will do the rest. He will cause the increase. He will cause the growth in your life. And before you know it, you're not even going to be thinking the same way. I know people talk about, you don't do the same, same things you used to do and all this other stuff they say, right? I ain't, I'm saying God wants to change you from the inside out. Anybody can change what they do. That is, that's nothing. Anybody can do that. But I'm talking about the hardest thing for God to do is to change your thinking. And that, and that needs your, He needs your cooperation there. He, he's not going to just make you do something. You know, I'm going to change, go right in and turn you like that. No. He needs your cooperation to do it. That's why we talk about Christian character is forged right here. Not by salvation. By this, growing up in grace. So we're going to have to close. But we will finish the filling of the Spirit. And we will start the, um, the sealing of the Spirit as well next week. Because we only have a couple more things to wrap up on the filling of the Spirit. We know how to be filled with the Spirit. Right now, you should know how to be filled with the Spirit. One, you just walk in the light as He is in the light. And then you will have fellowship. You will be filled with the Spirit. And two, if you do step out and if you do sin, you know what to do then, right? Confess. That's all. And then what do you do when you confess? You get right back in the saddle and continue to grow in grace. Forgetting those things which are behind Pressing forward to the goal that is before us. Let's stand as we close. And uh, we will continue next week. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had together. Lord, we 
want to be under the influence of the Spirit because it has such great benefits for us. We're so grateful that you've put, put all this in the Word and provided for our, our spiritual life so that nothing that we need has been left out. Lord, you've given us such complete care, comprehensive, that we are amazed and awed by your work. So we pray for each person that is here, Father, that you would give them the desires of their heart. Give them that burning, Father, in their soul, the hungering and thirsting after righteousness, so that they may be filled. And we know, Father, that you do reward those who diligently seek you. So, Lord, give us that desire. We pray for those who are on the line with us, Father, on conference. And we pray for Word of Truth Christian Church in general, Father, everyone who is associated with this church, that we may continue to hold forth the word of life to a dying world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.